Hello, and thank you for tuning into Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, Mum to Amandine, now a toddler, and our new addition, Elwood, born this May. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, toddler, and now as a mum of two, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. I am really excited to be working with the team at Pure Flow again. They are baby sleep experts and they're celebrating their 25th birthday. Their baby sleep bags are really genius with removable sleeves and lots of other clever features designed by parents. They are perfect for staying cozy on these cold winter nights and I'll tell you more about them and give you a special Mum Talk listener discount code later on in the episode. Hello and welcome back to the second episode in this mini-series. Today we're talking about sleep. I know I spoke a lot about it in my last podcast in episode one um, and Elwood's inability to sleep or my inability to get it right. Today Hattie Frank from Not Another Peep is joining me. She is a certified baby and toddler sleep consultant. She helped me with Amandine's sleep a while ago um, when everything was going a little bit haywire and got us back on track. She is fantastic and today she is sharing with us her top tips on how to keep as much of a routine as you possibly can around Christmas. Um, If you are going to sleep at family and friends houses, trying to create a very similar bedtime routine, bedtime um, experience so it's uh, familiar as it can be to your children. And also she reminds us, which is very important, that a few days where the routine goes a little bit you know, off routine, um, or even if there isn't a routine for a few days, it is not the be all and end all. We will be able to get it back when we get back home again. Um, so do have a listen. I really hope this helps, um, to just release any stress around getting your kiddos to sleep around the festive period. She always, she also shares lots of really great tips, um, around not exciting the kids too much, um, around bedtime, especially that Christmas Eve one when it is a struggle to get them to go to sleep because, of course, the next day is super exciting. You know, Amandine's only three. She's, she understands it even more. But every night already, she's already asking, is tomorrow Christmas? Is tomorrow Christmas? Um, so it's just trying to talk to them, have a proper conversation. But anyway, Hattie shares everything around that. Um, and towards the end, because I know there are a lot of us in the same boat um, as what I'm experiencing with Elwood at the moment. We did touch on very briefly around um, sleep um, for kind of similar experiences um, to what I'm having with Elwood. So maybe if you have been kind of sitting watching my Instagram going, yeah, that's me, yeah, that's me, keep listening right to the very end. And um, hopefully she might say something which is helpful. And of course, contact her she is not another peep on instagram which is probably the easiest way and all her details are there um contact her she's super helpful and brilliant i will leave you to our chat thank you for joining 
let's jump right in and go straight into sharing your fantastic knowledge around getting excited children to sleep over the festive periods, whether it's at home or whether they're staying with grandparents, um, just trying to get everything calm and the kids to sleep so the parents can then continue and enjoy the festivities. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think one of the main things is to try to be as consistent as possible in the day that, that you can. So I think a lot of the time we sort of skip naps or unintentionally have skipped naps or perhaps have forgotten to do feeds that you would normally do. Um, so we're talking about children from sort of naught to five, let's say, at this age. So varying routines, et cetera, needs. But I'll be trying as much as possible, particularly in the lead up to Christmas, to try and keep things on on sort of yeah, on track. So that on Christmas Day or on Boxing Day, when perhaps you're traveling or, or staying with family, you um hopefully you're on top of that sort of sleep test and you're already starting off on the wrong foot. We all know, you know, if you've had sort of day upon day upon day of bad sleep, it starts building up and has a knock-on effect. You end up with more wakings at night, etc. So I guess one of the main things when you're going to stay, you know, stay away from home, whether that's in a hotel or with friends or taking a cottage or whatever you're doing, is trying to sort of recreate your um, your sleep environment that you could typically have at home. So, you know, do you have to have a comforter? Do you use white noise at home? Do you have a completely blacked out room at home? Trying to replicate that as much as possible in the new sleep environment so that it's familiar to the child. Because don't forget, you know, when we talk about sleep environments it's not just about sleeping in a cot it's the smell of the room it's the sound of the room it's the temperature of the room all these things have a connection to sleep and what we want to be looking at is trying to recreate that as much as possible now often over Christmas there's sort of we have sort of you know all of us have fond memories of being in a room with you know 13 cousins all piled up on sort of you know different beds and god knows what so it can be a bit chaotic and I understand sometimes children have to room share with siblings or you know parents even um and again that might not be the perfect environment but again trying to replicate what you'd have at home so with with a travel cot or, or mattresses on the floor or whatever you're doing still obviously trying to create a safe sleep environment as, as you normally would at home. Um, so one of the main things I think is that, and I think also another thing you can try and do a little bit is if your child is struggling already with naps and perhaps won't go down at a new house for a nap, is do a nap on the go, maybe travel over um, their nap time. So if you've got a sort of longish journey, maybe trying to time it and, and sort of, you know, do the nap at that point. Um, or do a nap on the go if there's no harm in like an on-the-go sling nap or pram nap or in the car just to get on top of that sleep debt um and another thing I think you know bedtime um at Christmas often gets quite late because everyone's having a word of time and it's all very exciting and you know Christmas Eve everyone's putting the stockings out so it can it can be really exciting and as a result um cause problems at bedtime and one of the things I think we can sort of try and do is again try and, and mimic what you would normally do in your sort of typical routine of, you know, have a bath, read a story, have their milk if they're having a milk, but try and do the same thing and don't get it too hyped up and too overexcited. You know, particularly on Christmas Eve when they're going to be so excited, particularly you know, older children, six months old will have no idea what's going on, but an older child is going to be so excited, a bit confused really as to what's going on. And so if we get them really sort of, you know, revved up about Father Christmas and all of that happening, you know, we all know no one's going to sleep particularly well at that point because they're just so excited. So I would avoid sort of, um, sort of overstimulation before bedtime. Um, but equally, coming on to sort of on Christmas Day or big days where you're with family, avoiding overstimulation in general, um, which can be quite tricky with you know, new toys and it's very loud and exciting. It was having a few drinks, so it can it can get quite chaotic. And 
often, particularly for younger children, that can be quite overwhelming for them. Mm-hmm. And um, what I think often will sort of help situations, yeah, getting outside, getting some fresh air, go for a nice long walk. Um, and if it is just becoming a bit, you know, we all know as mothers and fathers, when you're looking at your child, you just tell they're finding it a bit much. So at that point, rather than sort of continuing with it all, maybe taking them outside and just breaking them away from that sort of environment a little bit, taking a bit of sort of downtime and just regroup and have a cuddle and just check in with you. Because again, they may be seeing family and friends they've not seen or even met before, possibly, mm-hmm. um, you know, been in a very strange last two years. And this could mean that perhaps, you know, granny or an uncle, someone's coming in, they're not, they're not used to. And again, that can be quite overwhelming for a child. So don't force it upon them. Just let them sort of enjoy themselves as much as you can um, as well. Um, and um, look, worst comes to the worst. If they have a terrible day of naps, they can catch up the following day. Okay, so I think that's another thing. If you have a day where if Christmas Day is just a complete disaster with naps and everyone's way too excited to do anything or it's all gone out the window a bit, it doesn't matter. You know, and I think ultimately take the pressure off you. You're not going to have a perfect day in terms of naps, but does that matter? Not really. As long as you're enjoying yourself, um, the baby's fed and well looked after and you're getting some sleep in there. Yeah, it might not be perfect. That's fine. And you're not going to, if you've got a perfectly sleeping child already at this stage, one night is not going to undo that. You know, if they end up sleeping in your bed or in the cot in your room, it doesn't matter. That won't undo everything or the hard work you might have put in so far. It's always, um, you can always get, get it back on track again. Mm. Absolutely. We say it with Amandine last Christmas, especially. I mean, she'll be three this Christmas, so she understands mm. it even more and is already asking, you know, is it Christmas tomorrow? Is it Christmas tomorrow in the lead up? Yeah. Um, so we're trying to keep it really mellow this year because last year we saw her get so overwhelmed. And you can, as their parent, you can just see it on their face, can't you? When it mm. starts to kind of bubble up and you can start to see the overwhelm. Um, I don't expect Amandine to nap. I mean, she's three. She still naps for an hour in the day, which is amazing. I can't quite see. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But I very much doubt that's going to happen on Christmas Day. (laughs) It would be nice if it would. But and Elwood, you know, he'll just do his usual buggy naps. But I think you're so right. Just take the pressure off for one day. Take the pressure off because there's nothing worse than stressing about, oh my gosh, it's nap time, but we want to have Christmas dinner at this time. I don't want to leave the table. You know, there's a lot to juggle on that day anyway, as Mm. well as naps. Um, But then, of course, on the other hand, you don't want a crying baby or a toddler because they're overtired. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is another thing is if someone's offering to help out and you're comfortable with them taking off in the pram with them for half an hour to give you a bit of a break, let them. You know, I think also more often than not, family want to help out and perhaps sometimes don't quite know how to. Mm. And that leads me on to another point. I think, you know, we all know Christmas can also be sometimes a little bit fraught and a bit stressful because of well-meant and well-meaning comments from, you know, a mother-in-law or a sister or a friend or anyone really um, with maybe perhaps advice from their point of view. And, um, you know, and that can make you feel obviously a hundred times worse if you're trying to achieve something or you feel like you're not sort of doing what someone else thinks you should be doing. Mm-hmm. You do you. You do what suits you and your baby. And ultimately, you know your baby better than anyone on the planet, right? So if that feels like taking them out on a walk, you know, just before you have lunch, do that. Or if it means that you send granny out with sling, do that. I think it's really ultimately doing what you feel comfortable with and what's going to give you and the baby ultimately the most relaxing day and that's what Christmas should be about you know enjoying 
your time with your family and your friends and it not sort of adding not adding to the stress that already naturally comes with Christmas and um, the logistics of it all. Mm, absolutely. So coming to the end of Christmas, the end of festivities, when you've got home mm. perhaps and you're trying to get everything back on track, um, do you just completely revert back to your original routine if things have swayed or do you gradually, how, how should we approach it? If we get home, we think, oh my gosh, it's just gone completely to pot. How should we approach that? So if you're already in a really good routine and you're maybe self-settling already and um, you're in a, sort of, a, yeah, in a good routine, which you feel comfortable and happy with and your baby's thriving, then yeah, just get back to what you were doing previously, providing it's still age appropriate. Um, you know, if you're not already in a great place now, it's not suddenly going to revert back to being brilliant after <laughs> Christmas, obviously, unfortunately, <laughs> we can hope. <laughs> um, but, you know, if it's not there, then, you know, there's support in place so people like me can come in and help you or, or have a conversation with you about how you might want to change things or support you through through that. Um, but, you know, we've all had times when, you know, travelling, babies being unwell, um, changes in their routine, whether it's starting nursery or any other new change in their sort of day-to-day, often does unsettle their sleep, you know, whether that causes a bit of, sort of separation anxiety or that, yeah, things are just are thrown a little bit. It doesn't mean that's it forever and ever. You know, I still, my twins are now four and a half years old, but they still have times when things are sort of, they challenge me with their sleep and they change things and their needs change. But it doesn't mean I, so everything goes out the window, all the rules go out the window suddenly for one day or a week where things have not been great. We try and sort of get back on us sort of in even keel again. So um, I guess, yeah, go back to what you were doing. If it was working, great. If it wasn't, and you're a bit stuck on a routine, then, um, yeah, there's the support you need out there if, if you need that. Mm-hmm. I worked with Pure Flow back in the summer when it was difficult to know how to dress Elwood when the weather was so hot. We also went to France and it was really, really hot there. And the team gave me the solution then with their lightweight swaddles and baby sleep bags. And it really helped Elwood to be comfortable and sleep so much better. He used to sleep from 10 in the evening until about 6am and it was amazing. So now that the weather's turned so cold, I asked the experts at Pure Flow to help me once again. They have created a genius all-season baby sleep bag. It's quite different to the other sleep bags as it has cosy quilted sleeves that can be zipped on to keep the arms warm on winter nights. This flexibility means you can adjust the warmth of the sleep bag to suit your room and your baby, and you can use it almost all year round rather than buying lots of different togs. Pureflow are a British brand who have been making baby bedding for 25 years. They're big on safety, so the baby sleep bags have breathable panels to help prevent overheating, and they meet all the relevant British and European safety standards. They are also award winners, having won gold for the best baby and child sleepwear at the Made for Mums Awards this year. Pureflow are offering Mum Talk listeners, that's you, a 15% discount on all baby sleep bags from www.pureflow.com. That's P-U-R-F-L-O.com. Just use the code MUMTALK15. Now, one thing I can foresee happening, and actually it's already happening, Mm. my husband and Amandine share a room at my mum's when we go there because I'm in a different room with Elwood. And when Hendrik said to Amandine, maybe this time, uh, because my sister won't be there, they won't be sharing a room, 
she then started saying, oh, no, but we always share a room at Gigi's. I want to share a room at Gigi's. I'm scared of the dark at Gigi's. And even though she's never said these things before, I think she Mm. just has got used to when we go to Gigi's, her and Papa share a bedroom. Mm. Um, So when we come home again or when we go down there and Hendrik isn't sharing a room, how do we tackle that? Because, you know, we don't just want to pass it off and say, oh, you know, don't be silly. Don't be scared of the dark. Mm. How do we approach that or how would you suggest approaching that? Gosh, I mean, it's so hard because it's just one night. Is it worth a fight? You know, Mm. quite honestly, um, but I think it comes down to us the age of a child. So, it's, you know, at three, we can start trying to have sort of a slightly more rational conversation about, you know, about it all. Darkness is a difficult one. I mean, I think often at that age, having a small nightlight on somewhere, um, if that makes them feel sort of safer and more comfortable, it's not an issue necessarily, even if it's just a one-off at Granny's and not at home or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at the same time, I think what's really important is trying to explain that they don't need to be scared of the dark is also trying to put that in that darkness might feel scary to them sometimes, but it doesn't need to be something they're scared of and explain, you know, when the moon comes out and the sun goes away, that's nighttime. And it's not about, um, you know, also just being really careful what she's exposed to. So, you know, if has she got that idea of being scared of the dark from like a cartoon, for example, which is possibly where she's picked mm. it up from like a, could be an episode of Peppa Pig or something where she's, she's latched onto something and perhaps you, at some point have responded to that in a way where she, it's a weak it's a confirmed her fear of the dark somehow mm-hmm. and often subtle things we don't realize we're doing so but honestly if it's one one night at her her grandmother's which she yeah and she sort of needs that support I just go with it mm-hmm. rather than having a sort of screaming child all night that's just not going to be fun for anyone <laughs> On the flip side, you know, we could give her a little bit of encouragement and maybe using sort of like a reward system or something where you're actually giving her a goal to get to, um, you know, so maybe she sleeps in her room on her own, she gets something the next morning to encourage her. Okay. Um, but I think for, yeah, for one night, perhaps you want to sort of try and, if she's sleeping at home on her own, then again, I would just try and sort of explain how we do the same as at home. You know, it's mm-hmm. just down the road, down the sort of corridor or wherever your room is in comparison. Um so I wouldn't suddenly change everything, but equally for the sake of one night, I'd maybe just go with it. Especially over Christmas when yeah. no one needs to fight unnecessary battles. I mean, who needs exactly. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add about um, children sleeping over the festive period that might be helpful for mums and dads? I mean, gosh, no, I think ultimately, you know, it's just take the pressure off yourself a bit. Try and enjoy yourself. If you want to sort of sit back and not have to worry too much about a routine, as much go for it you know you're not going to undo all sort of hard work you've put in avoid for older children avoid lots and lots of sugar which often sort of circulating at Christmas as well um and again just trying if you've had sort of three days where food has been a bit all over the shop again trying to make sure you're sort of getting that under control um because you know heaps of chocolate before bed is not going to be conducive to a good night's sleep mm-hmm. um and another thing actually is making sure they're drinking enough water because often they get really thirsty not perhaps in their own home routine so glasses aren't out and they haven't got their water bottle for example and then are waking up in the middle of the night really really thirsty because they've been sort of grazing on nibbles and crisps all day so just trying to sort of um make sure you're on top of that as well mm-hmm. um but no, ultimately, my advice is go with it, enjoy and do what you can um, to keep on track and be as consistent as possible. But be realistic, you know, in your goals um, and have fun. And if not, and you get really stuck and in the year still haven't got things on track, then you can get in touch. <laughs> like give you a hand, <laughs> basically. <Absolutely>. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, as we have a few more moments, and again, I know there are so many of you listening who have had the same issues as I have with Elwood and sleep because you have another toddler in the house. Um, Hattie has very kindly said that she will just give a few, um, or we'll have a brief chat about Elwood's sleep situation. Um, so as most of you know, Elwood is six months old. He has always been breastfed. Um, and I have been feeding him to sleep because I have a toddler in the house and he finds it very difficult to self-settle. He hasn't yet found his thumb. And by this point, Amandine had found her thumb. And um, we are trying, or I am trying to get on top of him self-settling. But of course, he screams the house down. So Hattie, any tips? Any tips for us now to a kind of a, a loose end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's again, it's so specific to each child. So I'm not going to give some, you know, settling techniques necessarily because there's loads out there. Obviously, mm-hmm. it really depends on finding one. So it really varies on child to child. But yeah, you're absolutely right to be doing sort of coming away from breastfeeding sleep. Breastfeeding sleep works a treat, works brilliantly. You know, that's not the issue. The issue is then when the baby wakes up overnight, they're going to be looking for what put them to sleep in the first place. So once you get past that four months sleep regression and the sleep cycles are much more prominent, having whatever put them to sleep in the first place, now whether that be a dummy and it's falling out and how to pace it 20 times a night or breastfeeding, um, you know, a, a six-month-old baby doesn't need to be fed seven times a night, but maybe feeding them that many times just simply to get them back to sleep again. So I would look at making sure your routine is age appropriate in the day. So is are they getting enough sleep in the day and also not too much? We can run the risk of getting into that sort of um, at this age, at around six months, where they're doing sort of, you know, lots of little cat naps in the day, which also can, can end up with possibly too much day sleep or too little either way. And again, getting that balance right is so important. Um, another thing I personally take a real sort of um, interest in at this age now is when you start weaning mm. and how you can use that to your advantage. So um, how and when to start putting solids in place and how that can also sort of improve their sleep and, and not necessarily the solids improve it, but what type of foods you're offering can have a huge impact positively on their sleep. So getting a really good feeding schedule in place, um, super important. And again, as we said before, the sleep environment is so important you know, at this age really dark room as dark as you possibly can get it it's obviously more conducive conducive than a nice bright room um and trying to put into place those um sleep props so you know using a sleeping bag for naps as well as at night putting white noise on for naps and the duration of the night um and with the feeding trying to maybe to feed if, if you find there's a nodding off whilst you're feeding often that's because they're just too tired so they're just falling asleep at that point a lot of the time, I don't know in your situation, but a lot of the time I find children who have an older sibling often are then going to be put to up, so put down to bed after the older sibling's put down to bed. So they end up going to bed at sort of, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30, mm-hmm. which just most of the time is, means they're too tired. Okay. That in turn is going to cause more wake-ups. So really trying to make sure they're not going down too late and you've got that awake window right. And awake windows vary, obviously, for each child, but around this age, it can vary anything from, like, you know, two up to three hours. But okay. it might mean at this age where you might have a, even a shorter nap, um, a shorter awake window, sorry, at the end of the day than that. So it's trying to get that balance right. Um, most children at six months still need three naps a day. Some are down to two, providing they're doing a nice sort of two-hour lunchtime nap. Mm-hmm. Um but if they're not doing that too much time nap, might still need that third nap. So really, 
again, how I work is obviously on a very sort of one-to-one basis and very sort of holistic overview of everything that's going on in your child's life. Um, and I know in your situation, obviously, Elwood's like, he's rolling, but suddenly loses the ability to know how to roll at night. So he's rolling onto his tummy and he's like, help, I'm stuck. And of course he knows how to, but he just sort of momentarily forgets. So something you can do in the daytime is also just help him practice as much as you can. It sounds a bit silly, but actually um, trying to get him to practice to roll back and front, back and front, so that he gets used to doing, to doing it in the day, which will therefore lead on to helping him at night. And sometimes, you know, we can run the risk of, particularly in winter, where they're not getting quite as much tummy time, you know, you're not sitting in the garden with a rug and, mm. you know, getting them to have that tummy time to get him to explore that and get those, sort of that muscle memory in place and get him to, to know how to roll back and forth so that he's not waking you up to do it. Um, and again, he doesn't need to be feed, fed every hour, you know, mm-hmm. his weight's really good. So if you know that, then start putting some places in place, you know, some, some checks in place. If he feeds every three hours in the daytime, replicate that at night and start pushing him out little by little. Um, I had a comment from a follower actually mentioning that mm. feeds could be back to front because in the day, and I wondered if this, this stands essentially in the daytime, he can go five, maybe even six sometimes hours without even wanting to be fed. Mm. There'll be so much going on. I mean, you know, when there's another baby around Amandine, for instance, a toddler, he's far more interested yeah. in what she's doing than my boob. Um, yeah. And then at night, is he potentially looking at night to catch up on the feeds that he hasn't had in the day? Yeah, really common. And actually, most most children who come to me at this stage are doing exactly that sort of right. longer night feeds. Mm-hmm. Something that can be really helpful. And again, this is often where when you're breastfeeding, it can become quite tricky and confusing because you know, how do you know? You've no idea how much a child's drinking yeah. in a day, in a 25 period, right? What I, when I work with a family, what I would always ask you to do is note the length of each feed. So if you just say, for example, a seven o'clock feed in the morning has a two minute feed, but then at night at four in the morning he had a 20 minute feed. What does that tell you? Obviously mm. he's having a nice feed at four o'clock in the morning at seven in the morning. He's not that hungry. So that could show you, well, maybe if I start cutting that down just a little bit, a little bit every single time to encourage his feed in the first, first one in the morning to sort of be bigger, mm. um, that will help. But again, it's looking at where, if he's going for five to six hours stints in the day, he's probably not getting the calories he needs. And so for that, you know, therefore he needs more calories at night to make up for what he lost. And babies are amazing at balancing out their nutritional needs and what and the calories they need in a sort of 12 or 24 hour period in terms of what they, they will get what they need. But if we're not offering it to them, he's going to have to catch up somewhere. And unfortunately mm-hmm. in that situation, then yeah, he'll be feeding at night. So I would definitely really look at feeding, you know, feeding schedules in the day, um breastfed or bottle fed doesn't matter makes have such huge impact um and is one of the main focal points when when working with someone really looking at you know where are they getting their calories and are they getting enough calories in the day Mm. so no you're absolutely right and another thing often what tends to happen is we do a feed every single time just before they go they're about to go down for a nap right there's a little top up um which you know again can work quite well the risk of it is obviously then we start creating this sort of um, probably unintentionally but it's a feed to sleep association because the yeah. first or the last thing they have just before they go down is yeah. a nice feed and so again we start creating this 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 thing so rather than that well how about doing like a nice calm story or singing the same song every time you put him down or trying to put into place these sort of little mini rituals every single time you put him down um but you know ultimately you, you just need to find a sort of a rhythm that works for you in terms of feeding 
but if you're going for that long a stretch in the day at this age, mm-hmm. now I suspect you probably are just catching up for it at night and, and making up for lost time in the day. Mm-hmm. Well, I've started to offer him ever since um, that lovely lady messaged me. I've mm-hmm. started to offer him minimum every three hours. Um, sorry, but, well, every at least every three hours. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he is a big boy. <laughs> yeah. <he is. laughs> um, so to try and help him to just make sure he's got all of the calories at night time. And then yeah. so my last question is, when you put something in place, so when I start singing him the same song or doing a book before bed rather than boob, mm. often it can be quite, you know, it's a long time before you notice any difference. And mm. I mean, I know it varies, it must vary hugely, but yeah. what's the length of time? I mean, should we start to notice changes in four days or a week or two weeks? Yeah, I mean, so again, typically I work with families for two weeks is the sort mm-hmm. of standard amount of time I work with them. Um, but normally after sort of four to five days, you should start seeing some improvements, okay. providing your days right. You know, if you're giving your child a sort of two-hour morning nap and a two-hour lunchtime nap, well, they're probably not going to want to go to bed at, at sort of six o'clock because they've had too much sleep or possibly on the verge of too much sleep. And just, I'm not saying that is wrong, but, you know, it's trying to find what suits your child. And ultimately, you know, if we are, are we, if we're putting into place a routine and it's working and they're then sleeping through you really well, great, and keep going. But it's going to take some time and consistency. And unfortunately, what tends to happen is we give it a shot and we think, oh, that was terrible. And we go again and we think, well, was that working or am I just sort of, you know, was that coincidence? And we start to racking our brains for some was it, you know, were they warm enough? Were they cold enough? Or maybe it was that last feed, or maybe they had rice rather than pasta, and maybe that was what it was. And actually, a lot of the time it's it's not sort of one small thing, it's the consistency of multiple things over time. And it's never one thing, because the one thing would be an easy fix. It's always multiple different things. You know, um, we look at hygiene, sleep hygiene, sleep props, sleep habits, and also how you're setting them in the first place. So once we've had we sort of looked at all those little areas then we can make a decision as to what's working and what's not and that's where doing a sleep blog so what one thing I think is really beneficial what you could do practically all of you if you're struggling with sleep is what I would ask a client to do is write down everything how much the baby's drinking in terms of mils or ounces or or minutes of a feed um what they're eating you know are they having reaction are they having tummy ache after a certain type of food what naps they do and what time the wakings occur at night, etc. So you do a really sort of really concise log, a sleep log of your 20 to 24 hour period. Okay. And then you look at it and then you look at all four of them or five days in a row and look at the what happens. And also, you know, Wednesday they had a really good night and you have to look at the day and think, okay, well, look, that was different. And this is what I did. Let's try and replicate that again. Mm. See if it works. If it didn't, change again. But it normally takes a good five days at least to start seeing some change, which is a long time, you know, and, and when you're already sleep deprived, <laughs> it can be really tough. <laughs> so um, you know, way. we all want a quick fix. I mean God, like don't get me wrong, if I could give you a quick fix that works in one day and sometimes it does, you know, sometimes you get clients who literally one day they're done and it really can be that quick. So I need a bit more time and we need to work out what suits that baby. But um we need to give it time. Time and consistency always is, is what's going to sort of help. Mm, there we go. That's my answer. Time and consistency. Yeah. I can do it. I'm sitting in the room where I have my mattress on the floor. <laughs> just in the study. I just feel like I'm pottering between rooms at the moment, between Amory's oh. Elwood's, the study. God. Yeah, it's like musical beds. Yeah, whilst my husband's in yeah. the main room having a lovely sleep. 
Oh, we'll have and that's to. the other thing is I think that another thing is that we can always get the other halves involved um, in, in the process. Don't, it's not all down to the mum or whoever's feeding. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's important to get everyone involved so that you sort of take the pressure off yourself a bit. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Hattie, thank you so, so much for joining me um, to share about Elwood sleep, but more importantly, about how we can get through the festive period without getting ourselves stressed about I really appreciate it as I'm sure all of the listeners do thank you so so much thanks for having me my pleasure huge thank you to Hattie for taking the time to come on and talk to me um, about everything to do with sleep around the festive period and of course Elwood towards the end I really really hope you found that helpful and um, we can have a stress-free sleep period around Christmas. Uh, Next up is the next release will be the next two episodes which again are with the fantastic fantastic Anna Mathieu and I hope I'm saying her name right I'm probably not Um, and Charlotte Sterling Reed. So psychotherapist and food covering off those two topics will lead us into a happy Christmas. Um, So Catch up with you all when those two are released in the next few days. Lots of love and thank you so much for listening. If you're finding this helpful, please do go and leave a review. I always forget to say this, but please do um, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast and uh, share it if you're listening. If you're finding it helpful, please do share it on your social media channels just so any mum who might be in the same, or parent or carer who might be in the same boat as us, slightly stressed about what is asked from us um, over Christmas, can tune in as well and may just feel a little bit supported by it. Lots and lots of love to you all. Speak to you soon. Bye. Huge thanks again to Pure Flow for sponsoring this episode. I'm looking forward to cuddling Elwood all snuggly and warm in his baby sleep bag when it's chilly and dark outside. Pure Flow baby sleep bags are so soft and cozy and they're made of pillowy cotton jersey. I love the grey mile fabric. So don't forget that you can get 15% off baby sleep bags until the end of February 2022 by entering the code MUMTALK15 at www.pureflow.com.